0: Welcome to The Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode, we'll discuss a different safeguarding topic with a range of expert speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody and welcome to The Safeguarding Podcast. I'm Vicky Chafe and I am Head of Community and Partnership Relations here at The Safeguarding Company. I am joined here today by Luke Ramsden. Luke, can you introduce yourself please?
1: Hello, I'm Luke Ramsden. I'm Deputy Head of St. Benedict's School. I'm also Chair of the Safeguarding Advisory Panel for the Safeguarding Company.
0: Wonderful. And we are here to have a chat about the very minor updates in keeping children safe in education for 2023-2024, which is a, a very nice time for us as dsls to be able to really get our teeth into certain things but let's let's talk about the changes that they've actually that they've actually announced that are going to come into force in september 1st
1: yes and i think the key thing for dsls is this year i think you could actually get this done in an hour or so and get just get sorted before the summer Um, so the plan is i'm just going to talk through the the key changes i'm going to try and give paragraph numbers wherever possible because then you can just follow through and and check those through. And then things like a a number of these things will be sort of going onto your um, Microsoft Word and doing replace with kind of function. So it it really shouldn't be that much. Having said that, a few of them are, you know, quite useful little changes to know about. And of course, know that when, if you get an inspection, they're always very keen that you've reflected those changes Mm -hmm. in your policy. So what I've got, I think, is five quite little things. And then one larger thing about filtering and monitoring which seems to be a new thing that they've really um, uh, focusing on uh, this year. Um, So without further ado, the first thing, if you go to paragraph 13, um, a a change in wording. So a bit like last year, they changed um, some of the different wording. They've now changing the students who are very often... Absent from school, they have low attendance basically. They are now absent from education yeah. rather than missing from education. The reason they've done that is because they want to have a separate category of students who are literally totally off the books. They're not going to a school anywhere. So they're missing from education. And so, with your policy, I think the thing to do would just be to change missing to absent yeah. because any student that's got very low attendance, they're an absent from education. Um, And it does mention just one thing that's worth adding into your policy is they mention specifically the new government legislation, not that new now, but the government legislation on working together to improve school attendance. Mm -hmm. So the the two things you need to do um, for your policy is to change missing to absent and to make sure you've got reference to that legislation. And of course, that you're you're doing all those things in what you actually do. So that's our first point. The second one is um, an interesting one in terms of your how you deal with SEND students, and this is in paragraph 89, and just a small but important addition where they've added a sentence to the end of paragraph 89 saying, there is also a duty to make reasonable adjustments for disabled children and young people. Now, this is adding on to that the, the whole paragraph is saying you need to support students who've got protected characteristics mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. But I think that phrase, reasonable adjustments, first of all, is worth, you No, know, you need to make sure that's in your policy, but also it's worth having a discussion with your SENCO, with your senior team about what exactly that reasonable adjustment means. Now, it's really quite likely that's probably going to be in your SEND policy or in your curriculum policy, or it might it will be somewhere or other. Um, but first of all, you as um, DSL, I think knowing what those reasonable adjustments are, um but uh, and and working out whether you're really happy with them from the safeguarding frame of mind. So, again, a small change, but just one that requires a little bit of thought, a little bit of discussion ahead of the new year. Third small point is uh, just a note on paragraph 157. And this says, which you know, I think you'd all know this uh, if, you're, if you've been a DSL for any amount of time, but the note says that consensual image sharing, this is about Nipde—is yeah. uh, sharing of image, especially between older children of the same age, may require a different response. It might not be abusive, but children still need to know it's illegal. Mm-hmm. The important thing about that, and I think the thing that would be worth adding into your policy and perhaps your behaviour policy, is that real clarity over that illegal activity that you, know, that you will have to report to the police is, un, is not necessarily that it's been you know, immoral activity, that it's been unpleasant activity, that it counts as bullying. And I think that's really important if, let's say, you have you know, a couple, you know boy, boyfriend and girlfriend in the sixth form who've shared images, and you'd say, this is unwise, this is something that, you know, it is illegal by the letter of the law, the police have to be informed. But we are aware that this is very different from non-consensual sharing of images. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think that's a small point, but one which is worth incorporating in there. Um, I think one extra thought, though, is, of course, the way in which you know, consensual sharing of images can become non-consensual sharing just because they're boyfriend and girlfriend age 17. The sad fact is that they are unlikely, if we're, if we're honest, to be still boyfriend and girlfriend a year, two years later. And so having a 17, 18, nine year, 19 year old with images of you that you might not necessarily want other people to see is not that good idea. So again, a little point worth bearing in mind, worth having that discussion with your pastoral team and making sure that you're really on top of what that means for you in your school.
0: And I also think that it is it's a really good way and a really good chance for you to look at your RSE program as well because those conversations yes. that you have with those older children would be different than you would have with the younger children and actually the of everything that we've been looking at for this past 12 months around consent and boys mm. approach to consent and things like that having that conversation and having that clarity is actually really important.
1: Yes, and I think that, that word consent is key, isn't it? Of course it because is. Because obviously it's, it's the fact of a pitch being taken, but actually the, the key thing for us as um, safeguarding leads is the consent element of it. Absolutely. So yes, so, so a small but important point. Yeah. And then the penultimate of the smaller points is one about when you've got other people on site. So let's say you've hired out your sports hall to a football club or you know something like that. Um, two minor points there. First of all, make reference in your policy to keeping children safe in out-of-school settings. Mm-hmm. So that is on paragraph 167. And that, you don't you won't need to look into it in great detail because you're not an out-of-school setting, of course. Yeah. But you need to be aware that it exists and that any external organisation using your buildings or facilities will need to be aware of that and need to make reference to that. And then there's one thing which actually does raise questions. I was talking to... Um, Di Durbridge, who is, uh, many of you listening to this may know of, um, uh, working with Optimus, who is, uh, knows all about safeguarding, and he himself was a bit puzzled by um, paragraph 377. Now, what this says is, if you have an external organisation using your buildings, if there is an allegation there, it says, and I quote, as with any safeguarding allegations, schools and colleges should follow their safeguarding policies and procedures. Now, what I don't personally understand is if you've got that company using their own procedures, and it happens with their staff, why they wouldn't use their procedures. Mm -hmm. I'm slightly wondering if they've made an error on this. And it might be that they have an update before September, yeah, um, because it doesn't actually make sense to me that you tell an organisation to use their policy, but you're also saying that you need to follow the school policy. So. Well, it might just be that they need to clarify that.
0: Yeah, but, and, and also uh, those those concerns might not come to you from an out-of-school out of organisation. Yeah. You know, if you as a parent have got an allegation or as a child have got an allegation from an out-of-school um, organisation, you'd go to them, you wouldn't necessarily go to the school. So it'd be very difficult for school to enforce.
1: Of course, it, it might be meaning that what they want to do is make sure that if you're the school you know that an allegation has happened on yes. your site. Yes, yes. It might be they're saying, we need to make sure that you're in the loop. Yes, and that, so that would that
0: make happens. sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: uh, perhaps watch this space on that one. I'm not sure exactly what that means. but um, And then one final small point, um, but I think, again, a nice important little point, is paragraph 221. And this, I think, is a really good point to make. It says, schools and colleges should inform shortlisted candidates that online searches may be done as part of due diligence checks. So this is in the HR field. I think this is really good because there's been a whole year of people thinking, do we do online checks? Don't yeah. we do online checks? It's up to you. This, for me, very much says, yes, you need to be doing online checks. And it strikes me as such an obvious and easy thing for a school to do just to do a Google search on a, on a candidate. And those things that they're putting out in the public sphere, if it's really obvious, oh, goodness. I'm not sure those are the things I want a candidate for our school to be doing. Um, That seems such an obvious way to do searching uh, and looking at things. So that that seems to be a very good thing to make sure your HR team are doing.
0: And, you know, just to just to clarify that as well and and the importance of it, I was talking to a, a school who was going through a recruitment and they were they'd shortlisted some candidates and one of them was. Absolutely fantastic! They thought it was that he was going to be incredible. Um, it was a high school position as well, um, and they did the online searches, and it turns out that he was an author, but he was an author of erotic novels, erotic okay. <laughs> graphic novels. Now, it just goes to show how important it is to to, to do these searches yeah. because obviously it was it was published. There was there was nothing necessarily wrong with him doing that but working in a school might be fine with that
1: but they also might not. exactly
0: and and if the children found out you know it was a whole a whole thing so it just goes to show how important that these searches are and how how
1: given that we've given that we've got them given that people leave live live so much of their lives online i think it it seems very sensible
0: absolutely
1: so this goes on to them that the one sort of main point i've got for you is that um, is about filtering and monitoring. Yes. And I think this is absolutely clearly a response to the way in which so many schools are now, even though you know, we're post-COVID and we're not online schooling, so much of our work is done on computers. We have a lot of online schooling, a lot of setting homework online. And so having digital filtering and monitoring of what students are looking at, of what they're typing in, is absolutely key. And I'm certain that 99.9% of schools already have these sorts of systems in place but there are some quite useful little sort of clarifications about what happens with them again just like before i'm just going to point out the paragraphs you might want to look at in this first of all these are paragraphs 14 and 124 and this is saying that all staff need to be trained in understanding filtering and monitoring of what's going on now I I would imagine your teachers are not going to be sort of following up concerns and actually in the nitty gritty of what happens with them. But I think them understanding how the process works is important as much as anything else so that they can inform their students. So let's say an art teacher is doing um, an art research project. Um, We've had this in our own school where they're looking up um, uh, different sorts of of uniforms Um, And sometimes that involves guns and things. So they could say, well, these are things to avoid looking up. These are things that sort of go into the filters. Or indeed, they could email the IT team and say, do be aware. In the next couple of days, you might have a number of concerns that pop up saying looking for guns, that sort of thing. And actually, it's not a problem. So I think it's really important that teachers do understand the filtering and monitoring. They understand the rationale behind it and they understand how to use it. Because, again, they might be able to say... Could we make sure that that particular site is opened up and actually allowed because it's a really useful site or they might say actually that needs to be shut off but they definitely need to be part of the system so making sure that in your policy that you have that training and i think schools in your you know, the usual regular annual updating safeguarding training discussing your filtering and monitoring processes would be a very good idea
0: absolutely and there's certain ones as well that will actually send messages to the dsl if children are searching for things like how many paracetamol do i need to take to end my own yes. life and things like that and actually that would be something that if you didn't have the filtering and monitoring systems uh active within your school you would never have known that so you know they're they're really really important for, for that side I mean, of yes, it too in,
1: in terms of um, self-care for students in terms of potential bullying i mean absolutely they're, they're they're very important these days um of course one thing as ever with kcsl it updates the dsl's job specifications and gives the dsl yet another thing to do so Paragraph 103, this is, says that the designated safeguarding lead should take lead responsibility for safeguarding, including online safeguarding and understanding the filtering and monitoring systems. It strikes me that this is the kind of thing you might want to delegate to one of your DSL teams. Now, something I've talked about on lots of these podcasts is saying you need a whole team of DSLs in a school that's of any size. And so this seems to me an obvious area where you might say, would you, you know, like to take on this responsibility? and make sure that you do on a day-to-day level. Of course, the lead DSL will need to understand the system and have had an input into how it's set up, but it might well be something you delegate to another DSL in terms of the actual day-to-day running of it. But it is interesting that every year, they're adding more and more things to the job of the DSL and making it that, you know in practice, it has to be a team because you've just got too many things to do otherwise. Um, And the key phrase here, and again, I think a lot of schools will already have looked at this in setting up these systems, is they say that the filtering and monitoring should block harmful and inappropriate content without unreasonably impacting teaching and learning. And I think that's where DSLs and teachers having an input into how it's set up is key, because, as I say, their sites, let's let know as a history teacher, sites on Nazi Germany, sites on the, no, things like that, could well have some really you know, difficult material, really, you no know, images that you wouldn't want students to see normally. But on the other hand, as an educative thing, If you're researching the holocaust you've got to see that material so it's that sense of having a flexible system where teachers can make changes can open up sites if they need to and also by the same token shut off things that they view as not appropriate
0: and there's no reason why you can't open something up for the week that you're researching it and then close Mm. it back down again you know having having that flexibility with these with these systems is is wonderful in that respect
1: and also with individuals, so if there's an individual let's yeah. say linked with SCND, somebody who perhaps you know, someone a student with ASD who is perhaps not as aware of different things they should be looking at or for, and you might say actually there's a slight different change in the levels, and most systems will allow that, or there's a student who you know, has had no issues in terms of controlling their computer use and you could change their levels. So these are all things you want to be looking at so that you've got that flexibility that it does what you want it to do. The third point on this filtering and monitoring is to make sure that you are looking at your other policies. So you're looking at your safeguarding policy, but this needs to link with behaviour policy. Now have a think about... What are your sanctions for getting this wrong? What is there a sort of sliding scale? How's that done? How does this work in terms of your IT policy? Do your IT leaders have buy-in with that? Um, and so it's something that might well be part of that broader strategy meeting about how is this working uh, next year and how does this work with, say, individual devices when students take them home, those sorts of things. So um, certainly something worth thinking about that, the, the more global perspective of how you use these computers. Um, And the final two points, first of all, um, just to put into your policy, you probably would do this anyway. But paragraph 142 says, um, do you have an annual review of this? Seems eminently sensible in that by this time next year, um, most schools will probably be using artificial intelligence quite a lot. What that will actually mean or look like in terms of filtering and monitoring and what do you do if AI has accidentally generated material that is difficult or objectionable or, or, or racist? Now, is that the student's fault is that the fault so I mean these are questions we're going to have to think about this year so an annual review and then uh, final point really for inspection purposes and how you're running your school what they're saying so much for Ofsted and ISI is governors have to be involved now and that thing that they're saying all all over your school is that it's not just governors signing off saying oh I'm glad you've got that policy you're safeguarding governor as you've got a governor in charge of IT, they need to be involved in this part of these discussions and understand the systems that you've got in place.
0: Absolutely. And the training. And I mean, it's something that we've yes. spoken about a million times before, Luke, isn't it? You know, safeguarding governors are not just there to have their name on a piece of paper. They have such an important role and they massively need to be able to be trained so whatever training you're doing with your staff especially when it comes to the filtering and monitoring they need to be involved in it and in fact all the governors do because there could be a financial implication with with these kind of things and if the governors might not necessarily understand the importance of it you know they need to be able to have that training so that they do understand that actually no we do need to be putting that
1: extra resource into it absolutely and i think that's going to evermore be the case for governors that they have an active involvement but um as you can see then i that there are some other very tiny little changes to wordings but as far as i can see um those are all the changes that would actually result in a specific change to your policy Um, i don't think it would take vastly long to make sure that your policy is up to date Something hopefully you can do before you head off to the beach for the summer, um, and a few little bits of food for thought there for you and your uh, senior team.
0: Absolutely, and do you know what? This is this is the first year that it gives DSLs the opportunity to actually really make sure that their systems and practices are robust. And for any of those changes that you wanted to make, at, at the moment we've been on that ever-running hamster wheel where we're constantly trying it's to catch catch up with the latest legislation. And this year is the year that we can really make sure that this this culture is embedded and mm-hmm. you know making sure that your governors are, are up to, to scratch, making sure that all of your policies are linked, making sure that everybody's talking to each other you know this is this is going to give us a really good opportunity to be able to do that
1: mm. yes so there we are that's uh KCSI 2023
0: that's wonderful thank you so much for your time Luke and Luke has written some um, articles around this as well haven't you Luke so we'll be able to put those in the show notes I yes, think that you've got some TS
1: articles which are uh, relevant to this yes.
0: fantastic and we'll put those in the show notes but as ever thank you very yeah. much for joining us and everybody else keep yourself safe thank you very much bye bye thank you for listening to the safeguarding podcast for resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and feel free to rate us using whichever podcast provider you use.